Welcome to the show, everybody. Curating curiosity through compelling conversation. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. Thank you for joining me here at Everything's Interesting with Jesse Mogul. And I am joined by one of my good friends, Nancy Angel. Please introduce yourself. Hi. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. I am so excited to be doing the show with you. I know that we've been talking about doing it and things never worked out, but I'm so glad that today it did. And we're sitting next to each other and we're going to have a good time. Um, but like you said, my name is uh, Nancy Angel, and me and uh, Jesse currently work together, and I love everything that has to do with uh, spirituality, anything that has to do with entertainment, with lifestyle, and food, and health, and fitness, and it's going to be a good show today. It is. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for being on the show. We yeah. have so many amazing conversations when we see each other at work, which isn't all the time, but when we do, it's, it's great. And what always interests me about you is you just seem to have a very sunny disposition, always cheery, even when things maybe aren't as cheery as they could be out in, the, in life. You know, you'll tell me some things aren't always going great, but you just always such a positive disposition. What, what is it that, that helps you just keep a positive outlook on life? Um, Because I like to try and see the big picture of things. I know when people come to Los uh, Los Angeles and they have a really big dream and something that they want to come to pass, they know that it's not going to be an easy road. And having that faith and that positivity really goes a long way. Um, I've learned that if you are in a negative state of mind, it's kind of a reflection of everything that's going on around you. And if you think negative, one negative thing happens and, and another thing follows through that. And I really try to stay positive and I really try to count my blessings because if I don't, things are not going to go well for me. So being positive and having a strong faith is, is what I hold on to every single day. I love that you said be positive because since I was a little kid, probably around 15 years old, I've had these two mottos. You'll see it up there. You'll see where it says release and flow on those cards right there on the bulletin board. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when I was at, my mom used to live right next door to one of those mystic shops that sold books about angels and demons and oh. witchcraft and stuff. And uh-huh. so there was this basket and you pulled the card out and it would say, mm-hmm. this is the kind of attitude you should have towards life. Life And uh the one I pulled out was was flow and so to me and I always believed in the power of positive energy is if you have positive energy your life will flow and then I come back a few years later and I found release and so I found it so then I, I incorporated that if you have positive energy if you release it your life flows like a river but if you release negative energy then your life dams up you know exactly. and like little beavers are ahead building roadblocks that don't even need to be there but because you have negative energy you, you, that's what's happening in front of you and if you just have positive energy even the negative things you still seem to just go soup right around absolutely i couldn't agree with you more um the thing that kind of helps me is um i like fortune cookies i've always absolutely <laughs> yeah. loved them not so much for the taste but for the messages that it right, has inside. Right. and i remember that for years i would always collect the fortune cookies because it, it it gave you something positive and it told you something good and and i would hang on to those i would put them in my car and i would put them in a mirror and you know i would i would think about something good that i wanted to happen in my life and i would just you know focus on that and and I've come to realize that um, a lot of the successes that I've had in my life is by that positive mindset and something as simple as looking at a fortune cookie and and a fortune cookie telling you something great and 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 yeah that's awesome (laughs) I'm the same way I don't even eat the fortune cookie I keep it when it's in the wrapper I just smash it down with my hand <laughs> because somebody said you're supposed to break it in half and that's what makes the fortune come true I'm right, like, right, no, right. my idea is that you're supposed to turn it into as much dust as possible exactly and so I have my own theory on that but well, do people 
do your friends make comments uh, you know, or ask you advice on how to stay positive? Because I get that from some of my friends. And a lot of it's just simple, just look at things differently. Do your friends come to you and ask you for that? Or do you generally keep yourself around a lot of positive people? It's actually really funny that you mentioned that because all of the close friends that I have, I am that go-to person of positivity and of giving advice. Ever since I can remember, family members, uh, strong friendships you know, that I've had, they would always come up to me for advice and how to be positive. And I really like gravitated towards that. And I don't know, I, I feel that because of everything that I've been through and all of the life, life experience that I've had through my short years of life, I've been able to offer some really great insight and some really great positivity. It's like I can't give somebody uh, positive reinforcement or give someone advice if I myself did not go through that situation. And I'm grateful for all of the th- things that have happened in my life because it's given me a voice and it's given me, uh, it's given me that position of, being people being comforted by me and by being that for them but it's very interesting to see that even though I don't notice it myself that I kind of radiate that positivity and that comfort to them because I myself went through the same struggles that they did as well I don't know if that makes any sense it makes absolute sense Mm -hmm. yeah you know I mean even you know I bet you you're really good at empathy too even though you you, you don't have to have necessarily gone through some of the things I've gone through not to at least empathize and be like oh I can see how that would be tough and everybody's human mind you know humans are constantly looking for connection and organization within chaos that is the universe we live in and so even when you haven't necessarily experienced what I have Mm -hmm. there's still going to be your brain's going to be like well this is something I went that was similar and this is how I felt so I bet you if I say this or you know if I just and a lot of times it's just you know just that human connection just look at me smile put your hand your your hand on my elbow something just that little bit can brighten someone's day up like that I feel like human beings we all have similarities and we all want the same things we all want acceptance we all want uh, to discover our purpose and be great you know, and we all go through similar trials and through similar hardships. And I really feel like in this universe and in this world, we're all in this together. So even though I didn't go through the same thing that you did, you want to achieve the same things out of life that I do. So that's why I can relate to you. And that's why I can relate to the person that's next to me. And that's how I try to see every single person that I come across with, even though I don't know what they're going through. I know that they're going through something similar that I am you know yeah. so that's how I try to see every single person that's a great way to look at yeah. things too because I, I feel like that's where a lot of separation in our country is coming from right now we oh, all, absolutely. all we see is the differences and I'm like look we all basically want shelter food comfortable bed people around us that we love that will love us it's like mm-hmm. we are, you know, we're all cavemen at heart we want the same things we, we just want, want a warm things. cave <laughs> we're a lot more similar than, than, than people think that we are it doesn't matter what nationality you come from, what color you are, what you practice. Like we all want the same things essentially out of life. We want to be happy. You know, many, many of us want to have a family. We want to be healthy. uh, And and we want to, you know, advance in life and, and like, you know, as cliche as it sounds, you know, the pursuit of happiness, we all want that. So why not all of us like be in this together 
and and show each other imagine if we showed each other with respect and with empathy and not try to judge the other person that's next to us just because they don't look like us yeah it's been very difficult for me to be positive nowadays with everything that's going on in the world without you listening to something that's happening in a government or in po- or in politics or all of these natural disasters and things that are happening in third world countries like let me ask you this like how do you try to stay focused and stay positive when you see everything else kind of being terrible around you you know uh it's neither difficult nor easy. I just, a lot of times I just look at things like this is just, this is, um, it just, it is, it just is. Right. I, I just am. It, it, that is, this is just what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and like the other day, you know, I'm going through alcohol treatment cause I've been, you know, I've been a, I'm in recovery from alcoholism. And the other day I was talking to my therapist and I was saying like, there's nothing that we cannot fix as human beings in our life. Mm-hmm. No matter how tragic something gets, we can, you know, it might take a lot of time, mm-hmm. but we can fix it. And as human beings, we can also fix it. Right. And so when I see, and especially since this new administration stepped into to, to the plate and you've seen so much just wildness, not even talking about the politics, just the wildness of it. I, I look and like, I, I really feel like the slingshot back the other way. I have faith and hope that the slingshot back the other way in humanity mm-hmm. is of a positive nature. But I also realize that, you know, you you see the hurricanes, you see the wildfires, you see the Syrian refugees in Greece, and you're like, is this is just the world that we're in? And so, uh, a lot of it for me is just, you know, how can I make the person next to me happy right now? How can I go have an interaction with somebody right. at a grocery store and make them smile? Because I can't make a Syrian refugee smile. I can't make the dreamers smile who are afraid right. of being deported. But maybe I can just make that person who's checking out my groceries smile. And right. it's like, uh, I keep going. I, uh, lately, I've been using the same poem a lot. There's one poem where like the kid's walking down the beach and there's starfish all along the beach, mm-hmm. the shoreline. And he's picking them up and he's throwing them back in the ocean. And an old man walks up and says, what are you doing? The kid says, I'm saving the starfish. And, the, and he's, so he picks them up and throws in the water. He goes, well, look at all these starfish. You can't save them all. What does it matter? And he picks up another starfish and throws it in the ocean. And he goes, well, it matters to that one. Aww. And so it matters to that one. Is my, I, I mean, I go back. It's, it's, of it's one of the, yeah, constantly. Of I mean, what do you do? Because, I mean, for me, that I mean, you know, I see sadness. I mean, just now when you came to the studio, you know, there was a police altercation in front of the house. It was people I don't mm-hmm. know. But watching somebody in handcuffs go through that process, mm-hmm. it makes me sad for them. I don't know what got them in that position. Right. But I hope that they can fix it and that they can go on and be a happy person. That's why I feel that people kind of need to have that. I don't want to put religion into this, but have something that they believe in, have that spirituality, like, you know, be good to others so they can be good to you as well like it doesn't matter what you believe in i feel like if you truly believe that there's something out there higher than you and you're going to try to do the right thing every single day and try to be positive and try to be good you know to your neighbor and try to do good in this world and and that's kind of like my my mantra what i what i live for every single day not so much my religion but my spirituality and what I think I believe in, you know, does, right. does that make any sense? It does. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very spiritual myself. Right. And I, sometimes people ask me, well, what is it you believe in? I just believe in the universal energy, Of course. you know, and it created every idea that we have and mm-hmm. all the gods are the same. Cause if they're all underneath the universe or above it, they're all the same. And I just, you know, it's just, I agree. I, when people are like, well, I, 
even atheists, and like you gotta believe. Though they may not tell you, but they believe in something. Even they if, do. Even, even if, if they're believing science. in nothing, yeah. he's believing in something. Of course, there's some great philosopher or scientist from back in the day that yeah. even said, out of, you know, even even nothing is something. So they're still believing in something. They don't walk around like not believing in something. Uh, they just can't maybe manifest the words as eloquently as you just did. Of course, it's and it's really hard for me to to say that I'm more spiritual than I am religious because I was, I was raised a strict Catholic. Like I was the type of Catholic that I would go to church every Sunday, not just with my mom and my siblings, but with my grandmother, with my aunts, with my uncles. We would go to retreats, we would go to seminars. Like I lived my life like based on Catholicism, and I would always try to do the right thing, even in my teens and even in my early twenties. I never questioned it. I never tried to question my faith because the way that you know the 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 catholic institution and the catholic church you're like if you do question all of those things like that's bad like you're gonna go to hell you can't do this you know you can't do that and for such a long time i did it and it wasn't until i was in my mid-20s and i moved to los angeles and i was kind of out there fending for myself and where i kind of described and 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 discovered who I truly was as a person and I became myself questioning you know my own religion and and I struggled with that and I was so afraid and I was so sad for such a long time because for my whole entire life I was conditioned and 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 I don't want to say trained but taught that this is what you believe in this is how you have to base your life and then I find myself being away from all of that and trying to find my true identity and my individuality and I'm like oh my god I I believe in God but <laughs> I'm not sure if I believe this 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 and that and for such a long time I struggled with it and and I've come to realize like no we're kind of all in this together i i i'm a spiritual person i try to do the right thing and and even though i don't identify myself necessarily with that religion i am a really good person and and i do believe in something and because i do believe in something and a higher being whether it's god whether it's the universe whatever it is that you try to call it i I genuinely try to do the right thing, and I base my life off of that, if that makes any sense. It, it does. Is there, was there a particular moment, a catalyst, that caused you to question the, your upbringing within the church that made you say, I'm going to change, you know, I'm, a now, I'm now at that age, or, you know, was it, was it your age, was it your freedom in L.A.? I mean, what was that catalyst that, that allowed you to open that door to question what you had been brought up with? I think that because... Um, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about homosexuality because I have a lot of members in my family who who are homosexual, um, one of them being my brother. And I have a lot of cousins, a lot of siblings, these people that are amazing human beings and that I love with all of my heart. And I'm so incredibly close to my family. And, and, and if I was a strict Catholic, I I would not agree with them and, and, and condemn them and all they want to do is be happy and and because i support them and i support the way that they live and i genuinely want to be happy with them i found myself questioning well if i was a strict catholic i don't want that i would pray for them and i would tell them that what they're doing is wrong and think that what they're doing is wrong when i don't at all so i think that that was the initial phase of me really truly questioning my religion because of that 
how'd your family i mean you're younger you mm-hmm. know you, you know you know i'm an xer you're a millennial we're we're, we're both in that world of open-minded thinking mm-hmm. and, and more of a liberal view on life but your parents they're not they're definitely old school yes how did they take the homosexuality in, in your family and how did they accept it or not accept it if um it were? well my brother he's a he's my half brother so he was um born from my mom and my stepdad well he's not my stepdad anymore and when my mom found out about him about him being gay she it was really hard for her at first she didn't really tell him how hard how painful it was for her because she didn't want to hurt his feelings but because me and my mom have such a strong and close relationship she she you know would confide in me she would tell me how difficult it was for her to accept it not because of his lifestyle but because she didn't want him to be subjected to bullying or or to people you know looking down on him or making fun of him that was her biggest struggle and I think that through time and through us being all accepting and just acting like you know what he's the same person that he is he just happens to like he just happens to like dudes doesn't change who he is it doesn't change how incredibly smart he is how much he has a bright future ahead of him how amazing of a human being he is he just happens to like dudes you know so then my mom slowly started coming around the fact that you know yeah you know my son is gay and you know that's great to the point where he brings his partner over for holidays and for yeah, Christmas and awesome. it's so great because she treats his partner how she treats my boyfriend when we come and we visit you know so yeah. but his stepdad on the other hand he's he's not accepting of the fact that he's he knows that he's gay but he doesn't talk about it he doesn't pretend that it's not there you know so that dynamic between you know my brother and his dad you know that's a little different because he is old school and unfortunately that uh, has a lot to do with culture and with the country yeah the men are not as accepting as it as opposed to the mom would uh and and it's really sad but that's just how it is that's how our culture is unfortunately and yeah, I think a lot of that's going to change over the next, you know, t- 10, 20, 30, 40 years as of the course. extras and the millennials get older yeah. and start becoming in positions of power, whether it be in businesses Absolutely. or in, you know, different, uh, whether regardless of what country you're in, you know, your legislature, your congresses, your, your just your politicians in general. Mm-hmm. We're just so much more open minded about it. Like just the way you said, like he likes dudes like that's like, yeah, you know, that's, that's my boy. And they'll like, oh, you know, somebody might be like, oh, is he a girl? But no, no, he totally likes dudes, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like whatever. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it doesn't even, I don't even think about it, you know? And so, don't, you really don't, you know, especially if you live in Los Angeles, like I tell people, like, if you have a problem with gay people, do not move to Los Angeles. Do not. I mean, we're in Hollywood. People still, they want to call it West Hollywood. I mean, we're definitely the center because East Hollywood's there, but West Hollywood is Boys Town. I mean, of course. <laughs> yes, it is. Of course it is. <laughs> and, if, and if you talk to anybody who says that they have not gone to the Abbey and had a blast, you oh, know, okay. then they're a liar or they've never been because I don't care, straight, gay, I don't care what. Whatever you you go there, you walk into a house full of awesome love. And it's so. so funny that you say that because if I if you were to give me the option, I would much rather go to a gay bar or a gay club as opposed you know as opposed to like a straight one, simply for the fact that because um, 
I feel so loved and so accepted and I don't feel like I'm going to get hit on or be like disrespected or anything right. like that. I really feel, I always tell this to people, even though I am not myself homosexual, I feel because it's such a big part of me because I have so many members in my family who are that, that I feel that it's bec- it's part of my life and it's a part of my, co- you know, it's a part of my life because, you know, when I mean I have a lot of people, you know, in my family that are gay, I mean like about 40, like 40% of them, you know, like it's a lot. Wow. So it's like, it's a, it's a part of my life. So I feel very comfortable with it. I feel very like included with it. I don't feel judged for being who I am, for dancing how I want to dance. I don't feel criticized by, by females or anything like that unless they want to hit on me, which is totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's an ego boost. I mean, yeah, because they whatever, whatever you want. Absolutely. When some dude who looks like he should be modeling for Abercrombie and Finch comes out to me is like, want me, want to, can I get you a drink? No, you can't, but thank you for the offer. You, you feel flattered. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If it were me, like I would, I would, you know, I would be there all the time and I feel very in- included in everything and I feel very free to be who I am and that's why I much rather go to a, a gay bar and a gay club as opposed to a straight one yeah I couldn't I couldn't agree more plus the music and the dancing like it's, it's a it's a happier environment mm-hmm. you know you walk in and everyone is just dancing and having a great time and you can go out there and I'm not a good dancer but I, <laughs> I, I want to be I take stupid classes on you I watch videos on YouTube and try nice. to dance in my room oh yeah I'm gonna learn I don't care if I did not know that about you yeah 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 you know I took salsa de- de- uh, lessons a long time ago I used to swing dance back in Orlando and uh, right now I'm addicted to trying to figure out how to do the running man and shuffle I really want to shuffle and you're you a bit, you're a little too behind that. The shuffle was like so five years ago. I know, though. I know. But <laughs> I, whatever's built off of the shuffle, right. I won't be able to do unless right I that. know the shuffle. So I'm just trying to learn all of these things so that when somebody's like, oh, yeah, there's this really cool dance. You, do you know how to shuffle or running man? I can say yes. I'm like, cool. Do that with your feet and then do this with your hands. Or, okay, well, do that with your feet, but then change it up a little bit. You well, know? more power to you because I don't even know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At six foot three, uh, 190 pounds, I, I look a little dorky doing it i'm not gonna gonna lie um you know let's 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 dive into your your background a little bit for the because i know you but other people don't when i first met you and you told me you were in tv and i Mm -hmm. you know and my ambitions to have my own television show about traveling on a motorcycle i just thought well how cool was that that we had that in common yeah so for the listeners out there and even for me who don't necessarily remember all of the details what was your history like because um, like you said, you talked about your family. We know you, you, the family that brought you here, but now you came out to L.A. Was this TV stuff before or after L.A.? The TV stuff, well, so I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So I grew up in a small town in Northern California, Turlock, California. Um, you probably don't know where that's at, and that's completely okay. Uh, <laughs> and um, I lived there my entire life. I went to school there. I graduated from there with a degree of uh, Spanish and communications. And since I was a little girl, I always knew that I wanted to be into television. I always knew that I wanted to be uh, a reporter, and I always knew that L.A. was the destination where I needed to be. So I started off working at a small-town newspaper in my small town, and I was there for approximately two years and then I got the great opportunity to move to an even bigger publication and be a multimedia journalist in Santa Clarita and I was 25 years I was at the age of 25 at the time so Santa Clarita that little town up the 101 yeah yeah 
Yeah, well, I have a friend here. Yeah, I, which I, is I have friends who live out which there. Which is thirty minutes away from thirty minutes away with no traffic, you know, yeah. Los Angeles. Um, so that was kind of like my big break, first time being out on my own. You know, I lived with my family my entire life. I went to college. The college was five minutes away from where I lived, so I never got to live like the independent life. So at the age of twenty-five, I moved to uh, a bigger publication and I started my multimedia journalist kind of life there uh, produced and did Spanish segments because you know I am Latina and I am Mexican and that's you know the background that I have and then from there then I went to work for uh, the local TV station there uh, for a bilingual TV show and I did that you know for a bit so and, you know, I've been continuing doing it on, whether it's through podcasts or through writing articles uh, with different publications. You know, I've always been working ever since then. And then Destiny brought me, you know, to Los Angeles and I've met amazing people and trying to make amazing things happen. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Could you have stayed doing that job in Santa Clarita? Because, I mean, it's a half an hour up the street. So you really with no traffic. And for those of you who don't know L.A. traffic, that is never. <laughs> um, but could you have kept that or did you feel like you had reached your ceiling there and it was time to, to move on? It was time. It was definitely time to move on. Um, Santa Clarita, it's kind of like it's kind of like a little bubble. It's uh, 30 minutes away from L.A., like you had just mentioned, but the dreams that I have and the things that I wanted to accomplish, I was limited in Santa Clarita. I knew that I had to be in Los Angeles, and even though, even though the circumstances that brought me to Los Angeles weren't the greatest, um, I'm very fortunate that I am here and that I'm still currently working towards my dream, and... I know that this is where I need to be and it hasn't been easy, but like I said, being positive and being centered and having something to believe uh, in is what keeps me waking up every single morning. So, yeah. You mentioned that you're Mexican. What state are you from? Where, whereabouts in Mexico are Jalisco. you? Jalisco. Jalisco. Jalisco, which is by Guadalajara. Okay, Guadalajara. By okay. Guadalajara. I know where that is because yeah. <laughs> I, I got some friends who are yeah. from Guadalajara. They take vacations to Pedro. Yeah. Pedro from oh, work. Okay. Yeah, okay. Pedro. I'm always, I, I'm always joking. I'm like, where do you go on vacations? Guadalajara. And he's like, yeah, that's where I'm from. And to me, it's just like one of maybe six cities in Mexico I know that aren't tourist destinations. What so other, when I said what it, other it cities do you know? Uh, let's see. There's Mexico City. Okay. Uh, okay, now you're going to call me on the carpet. Am I going to remember? Guadalajara. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot right now uh, actually maybe they are just tourist destinations because there's the Baja California Cabo San Lucas there's Cancun okay is that four uh, that's bad I read so much stuff about Mexico <laughs> how am I not doing okay. this right now uh, my we face can, is red <laughs> we can stop there it's totally well, okay but it's not because I just got done like uh, lately Rolling Stone's been running a lot of art- articles on um, the two drug kingpins one that just got arrested I don't even remember his, Chapo yeah Chapo and then mm-hmm. there's a new one and so in these articles they write there's like 15,000 words and as a journalist you can uh, you know you can at least understand how difficult that is to write a story that's that's got congruency throughout the entire piece that's mm-hmm. that long and they rattle off all these cities and so I go pull out a map and I'm trying to figure out like right. where is this like how are they doing this because I'm just trying right. to understand the logistics of what they do and so they're in the head for a minute like I know uh, you know and I used to study um, Aztec culture so much there's uh, is Quetzalcoatl Quetzalcoatl yeah yeah that's one mm-hmm. yeah because remember it starts with like a Q and it's got a Z in it and I'm like who the hell spelled this thing? it's actually very funny that I, you don't know this about me but I'm about to tell you this um, I, um, I've been an Aztec dancer for about 15 years and that's a very big part of kind of like the Mexican culture um, I've been doing it since I was like 12 or 13 
Uh, and it's very funny that you mentioned that because I know a lot about like the Aztec culture because it's, you know, a part of our culture. It's a part of our tradition. It's something that I've been doing since I was a little kid. And practically my whole entire family is, uh, you know, our Aztec dancers. And that's, that's something awesome. very, you know, something very beautiful that I can pass on to my children. It's very and cool. And my children's children and all of that. Oh, I've got a large obsession for Central and South American that's native cool. populations, the Incans, the Mayas, the Aztecs. In fact, I got a book around here somewhere called 1491 that talks about the world before Christopher Columbus. And right. There's a sequel to it called 1493 that mm-hmm. talks about what happened after Christopher Columbus. And reading about all of these cultures and just learning about how sophisticated and how gigantic they were. And in mm-hmm. fact, they weren't just, you know, 20, 30,000 people scattered about, but they were hundreds of thousands of people in these cities. You realize, wow, there was a whole lot of stuff going on here way before we got here. And there's so much that we can learn from those cultures. I mean, it's it's for everybody. Everybody enjoys Tex-Mex, but I'm like, do you really understand their food and the way that they ate it and Absolutely. how, and how you know, communal and familial it was? And every day, the whole family, like 87 cousins, would show up to these things back in the day. And oh, it's yeah. like, I mean, I wish my family was that large and would have those meals. That's what's so beautiful about our culture is just like everything is kind of centered towards faith and towards food. It's what brings families together. Yes. It's what brings families together. And I definitely recommend if you have the time, um, you should definitely take a vacation and you should definitely go to Mexico City and visit like the Aztec like ruins and the pyramids. Oh, and all I of am. That Ron's stuff. moving there. Exactly. When, when Ron retires, I already told him. I was you like, Dude, definitely you, have to go. You get settled, bro. I was like, I am definitely you crashed. He's like, to. I'll get you an Airbnb right around the street. I was like, dude, just make sure you know every single bus route I need to take so that I can go out and see all the pyramids. Like that's it's what I'm going every day. I definitely recommend you should go with somebody that speaks the language, somebody that's that lives in that country, only because it can be very difficult. And and I don't want to say this about my culture, but you know Mexicans can be very different with people that come from different countries. You know, especially if you try to shop there, or right. if you try to do things there, they're always going to try and sell you, sell you something that's higher. Uh, yeah. So like yeah. you need. You basically need like somebody that kind of has your back. Does that make <laughs> well, any sense? I, it makes not total to not sense. to not to not to bre- not to try to bash. You know, not at all. Clothes. When I went to Europe, I remember being in Germany one time, and I tried to go about. I had some German friends with me, mm-hmm. and I tried to go about and do some things without them, and it, I was it was not it did not end well. It didn't. You know, people <laughs> would just start. I wouldn't understand what they were saying to me, and they would just start yelling at me in German, and I and I can only imagine it was like learn the damn language if you're going to come visit our country, and I'm like, yeah, yeah that's going to take three years. Uh, but yeah, I. I you know, so ladies, if there's any of you out there that speak uh, Spanish, I would <laughs> definitely like to go out on the dates with you and take you to Mexico City. So we just do that out there now. <laughs> you just put it out there. <laughs> um, before we got in here, we talked about just being good to yourself and, 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 and being a positive influence on your own life. And it sounds like, I mean, with your family upbringing and the way that you've, you've accepted and bonded with, with, your, with your family the way that you have, mm-hmm. I mean, what are some of those ways that you see yourself treating yourself well? Does your whole family do that? Or, or do you do it sort of in your own little bubble and hope that it just rubs off on them? It's kind of like in my own little bubble because even though our family is as close as they are, and that's something that I'm very, very proud to say, I get made fun of a lot because whenever I have the chance, I go and visit my family instead of, you know, going out, you know, with my friends. So I, my family is the most important. Are they thing near? In my life. I mean, but they're, they're far California. away. They live. They live in Turlock, so it's a five minute, five hours 
north from here. So every time that I have a weekend off, I probably see them once a month or twice a month and I'm always with them. And even though we're so close as a family, everybody has their different personalities. So I have me who lives in Los Angeles and, you know, is trying to make it to the big time as an entertainer, you know, and as a television you? personality. Do and they then tease I, you about that? Oh, look at you. Miss they movie don't. Star. They're no? very okay, supportive, cool, cool, you know. Cool. And then, you know, I have my brother who's, you know, the one that I was just telling you about. He's very smart. You know, he's extremely intelligent. And and he he goes to Stanford right now. So he'll be graduating next spring. And oh, hi, damn. He Way is to go. A very, oh, he's a very, very, very smart person. We're very proud of Pretty him. Pretty sure when you graduate from Stanford, they just give you a million dollars because they're like, you're yeah. going to make it anyways. Just go ahead and pay us back. With yeah, me. yeah, yeah. He's, he's actually going to be going to medical school. Hopefully. Oh, wow. So he's studying for his MCATs at the moment. Wow. As we speak. A doctor with a graduate you know, from Stanford. Way to go to your brother. You know, and and he's very different. We're all very different, but they're very they're very supportive of like my spirituality and who I am and you know what I'm trying to do, you know. So we don't we don't get in each other's way of, you know, what we think because we're all very different, but we have that strong family value that kind of bonds us together and whenever my mom is having a really bad day I've noticed that a lot of my spirituality and my positive attitude and the way that I live my life has really rubbed off on her and I hope that we talk this you know again in the future but we were kind of talking you know before we started the podcast how you know I was a vegetarian for like such a long time and I was able to kind of rub off on my mom and my mom's been a vegetarian for a really long time because you know I did that so a lot of, you know, my positivity and the way that I live my life, I've noticed that my mom kind of adopted, you know, kind of those same practices. And that's really good. And she's been yeah. very happy and she continues, you know, to strive for, you know, to be happy as well and try to find kind of like her own, you know, identity as well. Are you the only daughter? No, there's we, we're a big family. We're six. We're six kids. Wow. So it's three <laughs> girls. And it's three boys. Okay. And, you know, we were raised by a very strong and independent, you know, woman. You know, my mom's been a single mom, you know, for her entire life. And and she dedicated her whole life for her kids. And it wasn't until we grew up and we started, you know, kind of moving out of the nest and, you know, kind of finding ourselves that my mom barely, like these last couple of years, started, you know, living for herself. So that's why... You know, we have a great relationships and I encourage her to, you know, to think of herself and to be selfish because she was never selfish. Right. And I feel that ever since I kind of grew up these last few years by being here on my own, I kind of I see that growth and that transition in my mom as well. Is the Stanford brother the last one out of the nest? No, I have a younger brother than that. Okay. And he's still currently living with my mom and he's 17 and he'll be going to college next year. And then after that, then, you know. She really has an empty nest, Then man. she really does have an empty nest, exactly. <laughs> Get her some hobbies. <laughs> yeah, she does. She does have a lot of hobbies. She she works out a lot. She works out five, six days a week. She's a strict vegetarian. Um, she gets her eight to nine hours of sleep every day. She is the hardest working person, you know, that I know. I envy her for the eight or nine hours of sleep every day. Yeah, she does. <laughs> she takes care of herself, which I'm very glad that she is. You know, the catalyst that got us to say, let's do this Thursday noon mm-hmm. was us talking about nutrition because I got myself into that ge- the genetically modified food yes. hole on Monday. Mm-hmm. What started off as just an article I read turned into 12 hours of videos and reading. Um, what are some of the 
ways you keep yourself healthy in, in a world full of you know poisons you know all this fast food and junk food that's all around us i mean you know to be a you know this happy bright shiny person that i see you has mm-hmm. um your body has to feel good and in order for your body to feel good you have to feel it right and so what, what are some of the ways that you know what are some of your foundation principles as far as your nutritional style by getting myself educated is the most important thing i can't preach something if i don't know what it is you know i need to know like what it is that i'm putting in my body i find myself reading a lot watching a lot of documentaries that kind of changed my life and and like i told you before like i was vegetarian for about two years and um this last year i i started incorporating meat in my diet because my schedule changed and and my i was working in the middle of the night and sleeping in the middle of the day and if you're a vegan if you're a vegetarian you have to plan your schedule and you have to plan your meals and you have to be on top of your nutrition because if you don't you can make your you can get yourself really sick and that is exactly what happened to me and thank god that i finally found a schedule that works with me so i've been trying to incorporate that lifestyle again and it's been it's been a little challenging because uh my partner is a big meat eater and my roommate is a big meat eater as well so it's been very hard for me to kind of do my own thing when they're cooking and they're having me taste this and taste that so it's become more tempting as opposed to two years ago when I was by myself I was single I wasn't living with anybody I was just like living by myself and and yeah, so like I said, I don't have anybody to blame by myself. So I have to take responsibility and accountability for like being weak. Yeah. And I just have to be like on it and on top of it. So that's kind of like my struggle at the moment. But I'm going to keep on going because this is the lifestyle that makes sense for me. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that you just, you know, you left vegetarianism for a little while and you're mm-hmm. starting to motivate yourself back that mm-hmm. way because for, you know, since I started working out when my friends threw an intervention for me back at UF when I turned 30, um, and I've worked out off and on while I drank a lot in my 30s too, uh, I was always, I had read, you know, you need a 0.7 grams so one gram of, of, of uh, protein for every pound that you want to be. So I've been consuming like 170, 180 grams of protein for the last decade. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten a hold of the plant paradox. I just recently had my hair tested to find out what's going on with my blood and find out where I've got oh, imbalances. That's fantastic. Yeah. And one of the first things that the woman who's doing this for me said was that you know you're a fast oxidizer you got to start cutting back on the protein and my new roommate Patrick who I'm a business partners with he said the same thing he's like I would cut your protein in half I started eating around 90 grams a day and I scoffed at him when he said that right and then I started reading the plant paradox by Dr. Stephen Gundry and then Dr. Axe on YouTube and then Ava who does my hair blood hair samples and then I started seeing all this other stuff and it was like up the good fats and cut back on the protein and now I'm to maybe 50 60 grams of protein a day I'm leaning out my muscles are getting stronger faster than they ever were on on quadruple that amount of protein so this is what in other words i told you all of that to justify what i'm getting ready to say this is the closest i've ever been to being a vegetarian and it's the best my body has ever felt and i i mean even though these wonderful listeners cannot see what i see in front of me i mean when i first started you know when we first started working together it's been like a complete change than what i see right now 
I mean, you glow, you're happier, you're just more cheerful. There's so much energy out of you. You're so contagious. Your positivity is so contagious that it bounces, you know, back to me. And I really do feel that a lot has to do with what you put into your body. Yes. And that is like a reflection of who you are and how you feel. Because if you're not feeding yourself the, you know, the right nutrients, you know, the right medicine, because body in a sense, you know, if, if, you know, we're being if we're being honest with each other you know your body is medicine your body is so powerful that it could heal itself if you give it the right food if you give it you know the right things so you're a completely different person than what i you know met a year and a half ago and it's and it has a lot and i know that it has a lot to do with you cutting back on your drinking and you you know eating the right foods and and i truly you know believe in that and you know and i advocate for that uh, one well. of the things that I got my when I got in this deep hole was, so it turns out that you've got these, I mean, I've always known about gut bacteria and flora and probiotics and things like that that are going on in your gut, but these things are constantly right. growing and changing, right? You know, they're, they're constantly replicating. So when you put bad food, GMOs and pesticide-ridden foods into your body, these bacteria eat that up. And then be, when they replicate the next time, they replicate with that pesticide or with that bacteria or with that GMO. It's mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. And so when you're constantly feeding yourself foods that are bad for you, your gut starts to take on uh, it begins to mirror what you've of eaten. Course. And then all of a sudden, you know, you wonder why you're sluggish and you have brain fog and your skin starts to look dry and of not course. so shiny and your hair starts to look pale. And it's like, you know, once I got sober, all of a sudden, I, one, I opened up about 40 hours in my week where I was, either wasn't drinking or wasn't or wasn't recovering from drinking. And I was like, right. well, what am I going to do to fill up this time? Well, I'm going to go back to the gym. Well, then you go to the gym a lot and you're like, well, I got to get myself good food if I want to get muscles. And then it, it just, it, it, right. be, it, come, it becomes its own little, you know, self-replicating prophecy because it's like you want this, but in order to do it, you do this. And it's like you just keep, and you keep learning before you realize it's all so intertwined. Right. And my nutrition has become one of the most important things. And if you just said... Tw- 10 years ago, Jesse, one day you will eat less meat and you will enjoy plates full of asparagus, broccoli, and cauliflower. I would have been like, you're crazy. Give me that 15 ounce steak. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so funny. And I mean, and I, I want, you know, I, I love my boyfriend so much and, and he actually, um, went to school to become a chef. So he knows a lot about nutrition and he knows about eating a plant-based diet. And I've noticed that, I, I want him to, he definitely supports, you know, my lifestyle. Um, but I want him to like incorporate like more fruits, you know, more vegetables and like more healthy proteins, you know, into his diet. And I've learned that I'm going to lead by example. So I'm not just going to preach it. I'm going to do it. And I've noticed that at, when I do it, it motivates him to, to cook vegetarian foods because he's a cook of the house. If we're being completely honest with you, he's the one that cooks. He loves to cook and I am all for it, you know? So I've noticed that the more I'm into my diet and the more that I'm focused and dedicated on living a plant-based lifestyle, the more it motivates him to, to kind of do it as well. It's, you know, the body spends so much of its energy just trying to digest the foods that we eat and it really digests plants you know plant-based mm-hmm. organisms so much better than it does meat mm-hmm. and so yeah i feel like most people would probably benefit from, not probably they would definitely benefit from eating a more healthy of course i i say start with healthy you know i, I learned yesterday i got on this little tangent in one of my alcohol meetings about how we watched this video and it talked about low fat this and low fat that or non-fat yogurt you know and i and he was talking about eating muffins right before you go to bed so you sleep better and 
<laughs> Turns out I missed a ma I missed the most important part of the video was this is for people who are just trying to come down off of really hardcore drugs and alcohol. Like right, right, first right. days, if not, you know, first hours right. of coming out of, 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 you know, a cocaine hole and they're in the hospital. And so I, I, I listened to it like this guy wanted you to follow this strategy for the rest of your life. And it turns out he was like, this is what you should probably do for the first month you're trying to go through recovery. But anyways, I got on my high horse started talking fast doing my usual jesse and at the end of it i asked the the therapist i was like you know what did i do wrong there because i saw everyone just glaze over and no right. one listened and like and i genuinely want people to eat healthy i want people to be happier she's like you know she's like you just meet them where they're at Right. So, you know, if somebody is eating 200 grams of protein a day and you're trying to come up to them and tell them to eat 50, she's like, you're, that's insane. I would never do that to you, you know. And right. so you know, get them to cut down to 180 and eat one more serving of vegetables. And so you're it's what you're like, and I say this because your boyfriend will probably start to slowly get, you know, and a year from now he might be eating way more vegetables and be like, how did you, how, how did this happen? It's, <laughs> it's actually very interesting that you say that because one of the things that I've learned about that people are very, take so much ownership and people are very sensitive but they don't like talking about it without having some sort of conflict or confrontation is three things that I've noticed that you should never discuss at a dinner table without people having their opinions strong opinions about it is religion yep politics yep and food yep they are <laughs> yeah. very you do not want to talk about that you know the no. moment you start talking about meat is bad for you and meat is you know and it's causing global warming because of the cows and because of, you know supply and demand and because you know because of the methane and all of that you know they're gonna be spewing you know their facts back and it's just it's it's very difficult i've i've noticed that you're you're gonna get the reaction out of people if you talk about you know those three topics so like i said yep. i've learned to kind of like lead by example you know i don't talk about i don't try to enforce it on people because i know that people are very attached to their food yes. you know their religion you know and their politics and the only thing that i can do is you know try to live as much as a a, a healthy lifestyle for me and when they're ready to accept that information, even if they're even if you're right, you know, when people are not ready to receive that information, they're not going to receive it. No. Even if even if they know that you're right, people are just so held on to that. Yes. Yeah, we actually have a rule at our house uh, back in Oklahoma that, you know, I mean, me and my brother, my sister-in-law, my, my father and my, and my mother, uh, my stepmother, we're all very liberal, we're very open-minded people, mm -hmm. um, but still, you know, uh, so we can talk, you know, politics because we pretty much all agree on stuff, but Good. it's still, you know, general, those, you know, it, my dad has said multiple times, we don't talk politics and religion because, you know, we're from Oklahoma and a lot of people don't see eye to eye yeah, and there's no definitely. reason to argue over something you're not going to be able to change and uh, with food my brother and i who eat and my sister-in-law who eat very healthy we've talked about some of this but of course my, my dad's over there you know sitting over there eating this big old steak and i'm sitting there eating a big old steak with him and we're like he's like well i'm doing just fine and i eat meat all the time so i think it's when you start trying to t discuss foundational principles with people mm -hmm. things that they've built their entire existence upon and even if you've got really strong information that disproves or discredits what they exactly. know they're gonna fight with all their might because you're basically saying you've been living you know you've been living in a in a in a card house, a house of cards your whole life, and it, it, it's going to break their heart. So of course they're going to hold on to that. No, you know, you try exactly. to you try to flip somebody's mind about religion, politics, or food, or their nutrition, and these are things they've been doing for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and then their parents were also like that. So now you're trying to now you're trying to break down 50, 60, 80, 90 years. Oh yeah, a foundation for them. Oh yeah, 
Oh, be lucky they don't kick you out of your house. I love my grandmother to death. I she is everything to me. If when it comes to my mom and my grandmother, like those women are sacred to me. Um, but even though my mom is very accepting of the fact that you know, like I live a like a plant based lifestyle, my grandma definitely is not. Oh yeah, she's like eat it's, the meat, oh eat the meat. Gosh. Where's the beef? She <laughs> says you and your fads and you because you uh, live in L.A. and you know, and it's like I said, like it's sad. Like I don't, like I say, like I don't try to try to convince her otherwise because I mean she's a 67 year old woman she is set in her ways and I don't expect her you know to understand you know why living a plant-based lifestyle is not only right for people not only morally right for people not only you know because it could potentially expand your life as opposed to you know eating me but it's just i try even not to have that conversation with her i just kind of let her say whatever it is that she needs to say but it's very difficult especially when you know you live in that type of culture especially the mexican culture when everything's centered around chicken and beef and carnes asadas and barbecues and stuff like that it's just (laughs) it can be it can be very difficult when your family's not on board yeah oh really can't yeah. be difficult uh when i when i used to meet vegetarians i'd be like you know we didn't you know i'd say something snarky like we didn't climb to the top of the food chain to eat like a turtle mm-hmm. and now that i eat more of a vegetarian based diet i'm like well actually elephants and brontosauruses eat only vegetables too so yeah. <laughs> so why did i have to make fun of vegetarians by calling them a turtle which by the way are quite fast if you've ever seen them run on cement but two <laughs> um I've, I've lived in florida long enough to know if you try to chase a turtle that little bugger will book but it's like, you know, there's a lot of animals that grow very big and strong. I mean, horses are one of the, you know, the fastest animal that we're able to, to, to manage. Um, and it eats only a plant-based you diet. You only live, exactly. And so, I mean, elephants, brontosaurus, I mean, those things were humongous. Exactly. Even the T-Rex didn't try to kill brontosaurus. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. It's not a fad to me uh, to be fluid. And I think that's where millennials and Gen Xers are, are really strong and really fluent at is being fluid. Mm-hmm. in just our overall thinking. And so therefore, if somebody's like, well, why don't you try a plant-based diet or why don't you just be open-minded about that or this or that, where it's like, sure. We are very open-minded. We're, we definitely very are. Very fluid in, in all of it. So you're hard-pressed. Like I, I, my roommate makes, he's like, you know, it just seems like you got a lot of opinions on, on, the, on the same th- subject sometimes. Like you feel one way and then the next day you say another thing. I'm like, I'm just fluid. Mm-hmm. Like why do I have to have a set-in-stone perspective? I mean, other than the fact that the world is round and that we do of go course. around the sun, you can't argue with certain things. But other things, it's like uh, there's a lot of different sides to this story. I, I feel like just being an open-minded individual would really – not only open the doors for a lot of things but it'll make your life like a lot better if you're just more open-minded about a lot of things not just about nutrition but about life you know about religion about the way that people live not necessarily putting yourself in a label like lately i've noticed that i've had such a difficult time labeling myself and putting myself in a type of box you know what i'm saying does that make any sense with anything in life like okay like with nutrition I wouldn't necessarily call myself a vegetarian or a vegan right now because I'm trying to find, you know, what works for me right now because it's really hard for me right now because I have two big meat eaters in my household. I've cut dairy out of my life completely. You know, meat, 
there are days where I don't eat meat and like I want to, you know, and there are days where like, oh my God, like there's nothing to eat in the house. It's my fault because I didn't go to the grocery store. So I'm going to eat this little, you know, so you got to kind of find like what works for you. But essentially meat is going to be completely like cut out, cut out from my life. So no fish, no eggs, none of that kind of thing. Or what, like what, what would you say meat? Like what's your favorite? Okay. First, let's start here. What's your, (laughs) what's your favorite meat cheat right now? If you are going to cheat on meat, what would be the one thing? Chicken. 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 It's very it's very hard for me. I've always loved the idea of becoming a vegan. I've always loved that idea, but it's just the hardest things for me to give up. And that I know that I've been having a struggle trying to wean myself off of it recently is cheese yeah. and eggs. I've cut milk yeah. out. No longer drink milk. Good. Almond milk Good. is my best friend. Yeah, almond milk, coconut Vanilla, milk. Vanilla, almond yeah. milk, and soy milk. I absolutely love cheese is very 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 hard and after watching you know a documentary which i encourage you to watch on netflix which is called what the health yeah and i know that a lot of people have watched they were actually saying how there's this receptor like in your brain that whenever you put cheese into your mouth it triggers it and it's that same trigger as when you would inject like was it heroin or was it meth like you it's like really? an addiction it's like you get addicted to it kind of like you would get addicted to like drugs and stuff like that it hits that I point in your brain that. that it would like if you were injecting like a type of addictive drug like in your body that's why it's so hard for people to give up cheese and people when you eat cheese you just want more and you just oh, want yeah. more like it stimulates your brain and that's why i know that it's so difficult cheese is very difficult for me to kind of give away but i know that i have to and it's know that it's going to be a process same thing with eggs so those have been you know my biggest struggles with the egg thing we've been going to a place called bel campo or erawan right and buying pasture raised um chicken eggs Mm -hmm. so it's just chickens who actually do get to run around in fields like it's mandatory they only are in cages not even in cages but they're only in shelter at night you know Mm -hmm. because that's it's nighttime that's when wolves or something come out i don't know how chickens die but (laughs) (laughs) other than when we kill them um and i'll tell you the eggs taste different the the chicken meat we i mean we spent 24 dollars on a whole chicken the other day now mind you it was much bigger than the normal chickens i think it ended up being like a three pound chicken so it was a pretty damn big chicken um and because i'm eating only about four or five ounces of of animal protein a day i I still have some of that left i cooked it seven days ago right but the the difference is 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 night and day and i definitely am to the point now like i could see myself going i mean i'm already down to three or four ounces of animal protein a day i could see myself cruising there for the rest of my life i'll never be a vegetarian because i'm still going to go out and have barbecues and and, and splurge once in a while but i see and i I told this to my to Patrick last night. I don't think I can eat food that has been been treated cruelly of anymore. Course. I think for a lot of people, they see those videos and they're like, "I'm never eating meat again." And I'm and I, I totally get why now because I watch some Absolutely. of these now. Now that I've now that I've convinced myself I don't need as much animal protein, and then I go off and I say like I see cow cows being hurt and pigs. I'm just like, oh, you know what? No. No. One interesting thing that I want to mention about that documentary about what the health that made me never want to touch a piece of bacon or pork. Oh, or God. Anything. I'm going to watch that in the next couple of days. Tell you know, me. you don't Just understand. I, I definitely have to talk about this because Please it do. really made me feel some type of way. And it made me never it made me never want to put anything pork related like in my system. Oh, no. Ever. What are you getting ready to tell so, me? So um, 
so basically the way that the pork industry goes is like not only does it you know it's it they, they suffer these terrible conditions and you know you've seen the videos and peels that yeah that's terrible that's absolutely terrible but what's even more terrible is what it does to humans so i don't know what state it is this is really bad but there's this this there's a state i don't know if it's like north carolina or south carolina or kentucky or one of those southern states where they have like the mass pork production so they have like these huge warehouse where um that's uh, the population of the pigs are as much as the population of like that state so it's about 10 mil million pigs wow so they have them in these warehouses that are located in minority based neighborhoods okay and the what's so disturbing about it it's because of the amount of food that they're giving them the type of feces that that they produce is a hundred million pounds per those 10 million pigs like you know where i'm getting where yeah. i'm getting at and the feces are they not they drain them they put them in these ponds because there's just so much of it and they have nowhere to throw like the crap at so they um they have these sprinklers and like they ingest like the like the, the poop the everywhere <laughs> wait, everywhere. wait 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 are yes you, like in the town in the like in those areas so exactly. are, are they trying to say that they're fertilizing the grass are they just are there sprinklers full of pig poop just going off all over going these towns? off like in the air so these neighborhoods like smell like crap and not only that like a lot of people from the area that that live like in these warehouses a lot of them have a lot of complications with asthma of with course. cancer and a lot of them are dying because of that because of the because of what they're doing because there's so many pigs in that area and the amount of poop that they accumulate because of what they're feeding it and because they have nowhere to there there's no sewer and they have nowhere to throw like the poop at that they just use this this sprinkler system and they just ingest it like in the air and people are breathing it and people are getting sick from it so like you're eating a piece of bacon out of like the expense and the health of like the people that live in the area which is located in minority based neighborhoods of course only that you know what i'm saying yeah yeah. that bothered me so much when i saw that well you know and then so if anybody out there is saying well great we can take all that pig poop and use it as manure for our fields because I'm guessing, based on 10 million pigs, they're not organic farms. They're jacking these these pigs up full of antibiotics and full of growth hormone, which exactly. means that their poop is just as toxic as their meat is. Exactly. You know, obviously more. I'm not an idiot, guys. I get that their poop's more toxic than their meat. But we can't just take that and use it as manure to, to lay on our fields to grow better vegetables because that then all of that antibiotics all those pesticides everything that's inside that pig is now in their poop now it's in our ground so yeah. you've got nowhere to send all of this yeah and you know it, it, again they don't even think it honestly ever occurred to me that all of these like it never occurs to me where all the poops going you ever if you, well, you've driven to san francisco you've driven by harris ranch you can mm-hmm. smell that place 30 miles before you get to mm-hmm. it you know, and I mean, and the, 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 those cows actually are out in fields. Yeah. Because they're right by the highway, which isn't probably any better for their cardiovascular system. So at least they're not like stuck in, in you know, gigantic yeah, airplane hangers. But still, like, yeah. where's all of their, their, their number twos going? And now you think about they're, all these pigs. throwing it back in the air. And like it, that area, it smells so like. You, you can't live a normal life like people there were there were residents in the area that were saying that you know 
they would try like to go to church and stuff like that like every sunday and on sundays is where they usually like they there's so many times during the week where they just like they the, the you know the sprinklers like they go off like with all like the poop and like they breathe it in and it gets into their clothes like it's literally disgusting and it's wow. so sad that they have to like live their lives like that and not only that it's just the people that live in the area they get sick because of it oh yeah asthma and you're not cancer. selling your house yeah you're not moving you can't move like yeah yeah you want to buy you want to buy my poop house it's we're located only five blocks away from the, the from number one pig poop manufacturing place in the world like, and you, pe- you can't leave and people in that area don't eat pork because of what it's doing to them because they know like what's going on behind them they know you know what they're doing and it's 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 really sad and i really feel like it's a human rights violation and a human's right issue like what they're doing like you imagine if they if they put these warehouse like in other neighborhoods that weren't minorities how oh, people man. would have a problem with it uh, put it in the middle of bay hill in orlando where all and the see what happens yeah. and, and, and see how people are going same to thing react. happened with the dakota access pipeline you it know? was supposed to run through a white a majority white city and they've completely changed it because they were like well we don't want an oil spill in our city so they changed right. it so now it was going through the native americans pre- reserve and exactly. I'm, I'm like okay the, you're now you're not even trying to hide it at least with the pig place, you can be like, oh, we opened it up. We thought we'd have a 1,000 pigs. We never thought we'd have 10 million of them. You know, so mm-hmm. I can't believe that. Yeah, that is a human rights violation. That bothered me so much that it made me not want to. Ever eat bacon again? Ever eat bacon ever again. I was never really a bacon fan as it is already. But, you know, I would eat pork here and there. But definitely after watching that, like, it just disgusted me like on a different level i literally felt so bad for the people of course for for the animals too for enduring like what you know what they're going through and it's really sad but what it does to the people yeah it's just that it is, was it literally I'm, like just the, the pork industry really like disgusting it was already first in my that. queue i gotta after watch watching that, now. that i would you know? think so wow mm-hmm. nancy it was so sad oh, i hated it you know I, I costco i buy these I, I used to buy back when i would eat things that weren't organic uh these big huge slabs of tenderloin because it was like 20 bucks for this right. long ass it's like six pounds mm-hmm. and i remember thinking this must be like the length of the body of a pig because it's mm-hmm. it's very long there's right. obviously one piece. And then I watched, I came across this video on Facebook the other day. It was clearly from somewhere in Asia. Maybe Japan based on sort of kind of the, I, I didn't see a, a flag, but um, there was something that made me think, okay, this is from Japan or China. That's just mm-hmm. all I could figure. And these pigs must have been like 600 pounds. They were so big. They were laying on their side and they had bars, mm-hmm. a, a little bit of a bar over the back, a little bit of a bar over the belly. So it couldn't get up. There wasn't right. completely over it, but it was enough. That, mm-hmm. I'm not sure this pig could have gotten up anyways. I remember seeing that being like, oh, wow, this tenderloin I have in my freezer isn't the length of, of, of a tiny little pig. It is like one third the length of a gigantic pig. I'm right. like, this is horrible i was like and you know that pig is having a horrible miserable life and it's yeah. like if that means i don't get to eat bacon anymore i mean yeah again i'm not gonna go completely vegetarian and there's gonna be a time where i'm at somebody's barbecue and they have bacon or i'm at a restaurant and there's bacon on a burger and i'll be like, okay i'll allow myself to have it now but i used to care i used to keep you know those packets that bacon come in right right, right. i buy that costco four at a time yeah and uh no i won't do that anymore and now i think when i see this i may never want to do it again yeah, I'm, I definitely encourage anybody who who wants to learn about, you know, food and nutrition. And this this documentary also goes goes like talks about like the American Diabetes Association and the Susan G. Komen like 
cure for breast cancer walk and all of these organizations and how they have a direct link to all of these dairy you know and meat industries and it's very inter very interesting they made and it made me really take a second look at all of these organizations that are really? there to help out the people that have diabetes, that have heart disease, that have breast and cancer. And yet they're in bed with some of these, of the biggest, and yet they're in bed yeah, with these because they sponsor them. That, that is what the whole documentary is about. It's about this man who was just dealt a really, really bad hand as far as like genetics goes. He has a history of like heart disease and diabetes and cancer that go, like runs in his family. So health and nutrition is very important in his life. So he wanted to make a documentary, you know, you know, about health and nutrition. And he comes to find out in this documentary how all of these organizations like I mentioned Susan G. Komen, American Diabetes, you know, all of these associations that are there to help treat you and, and, and to help you, you know, fight for cancer. They are the very organizations that are be that are being given millions and millions of dollars by the meat and dairy industry so they can help promote it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that was so disturbing to me. Oh, that would be disturbing. The very, the very links that causes cancer and causes diabetes, which is meat, you know, which is sugar, which is dairy, and all of that stuff that has direct links by l many, many sources. Yeah, there are the yeah. very companies that are sponsoring these people that are supposed to help fight it. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, it's, it's. I don't even know what the right analogy for that is. It's just bad. <laughs> yeah. So, so it just it made me just kind of look at these organizations that made me be like hmm like wow you know yeah well i, I heard that there was one called calicious i haven't uh, seen that uh, one. and i guess it was the follow-up uh, mm -hmm. one of my friends um one of my gator friends who lives here in la she said that she watched watch the health and then what the health and then calicious and became a vegetarian overnight i don't think she's eaten meat in the last couple weeks which mm -hmm. is you know commendable whether you know yeah. I, i'm not here to judge whether it sticks or not just the fact that right. this movie had the kind of impact on her that she right. went from eating meat to being right. a vegetarian the very next day says a lot about what the kind of information they're giving you i mean the information is out there if you're really out there to see it like the facts speak for themselves like if you don't want to be persuaded by like a documentary or if you don't want to believe you know what a documentary says because a lot of critics of documentaries they're like oh you know documentaries are biased they're for whatever it is that they're trying to you know bring to light you know what about the other side of it you know go out and look at look at these like statistics and these research for yourself don't watch a documentary if you don't want to you know what i'm saying yes so which is exactly you know what i did so that's why i'm trying to to live this lifestyle because it makes sense for me on a moral issue on a health issue on a livelihood issues you know on a human's rights issues yes uh, go out there and make that conclusion for yourself okay, there's tons of information yes definitely and, and i do get, I, I guess i'm pushed back sometimes with my nutrition knowledge because people they, yeah. they call it the facebook syndrome like well you're just going out just specifically looking for data that will back up a belief that you already feel pretty strong about right. and then i heard somebody on one of my youtube videos the other day i think it was dr it's dr stephen gundry with the plant paradox was saying look go ask a kid Go ask a kid and be like, you know, do you think we, you, we should be spraying poison all over our food? And the kid's going to say no because the kid only, they only know about poison. They, don't know, they, don't, they can't rationalize the way adults can. They just hear poison. They, well, my mom says don't drink the poison underneath the sink, so why should I pour it on my food? You know, why should I be injecting my animals full of poison before I eat them? Like if a kid 
gives you an answer. It's pretty much going to be a, as, you know unbiased as it can be. And so, if a kid, if you say to a kid, "Hey, you know, should we lock these little pigs up inside of cages and pump their bodies full of food and antibiotics and growth hormones so that they grow big so that we can eat them?" Kids probably gonna be like, "That's probably no, no, we shouldn't do that." But the the sad thing is, like the meat and the dairy industry are targeting like young kids. You know, they're targeting them when they're young. You know, they spend hundreds of millions of dollars marketing and advertising, like for example, the Got Milk campaign. You know, they get them when they're young. Oh yeah, the food pyramid. You know, you know, which a lot of these meat companies like. Give they helped write it. They exactly, drew it. exactly. You know, telling you like you have to eat meat, like you have to have like, you know, a, an eight glass of milk a day. You know, to help build strong bones. When in actuality, it's been proven that if you do drink milk, lots of milk, it leads for you to have bone problems and osteoporosis. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. It, it actually but starts to drain the calcium out of exactly. Your so when people are like, yeah, you're supposed to eat meat, you're supposed to eat protein, is because they're advertising and they're making it known like that you should eat that when in actuality your body doesn't need that you yeah. know yes and they start when you're young oh yeah you know they target the kids you doctor them at young. a young age yeah and that's what's really that's what's really sad about it so it's up to you as a person to get the information out there to find out what it is and you know to make that decision you know on your own and for your kids so i don't want to be feeding my kids crap no Absolutely no. not. And, and I, I seem to have been reading a lot and listening a lot lately, and they say that we're about five or ten years away from a boomerang effect where people are going to start to really care about how their food is mm-hmm. is made. And because I, I was, recently I was introduced to saying you, you're, it's not just that you are what you eat, you are what you eat eats. So mm-hmm. whatever you eat, you are what that animal ate. And you know, you're also what your plant eats. Yes. So you are what you eat eats. And, and uh, I, he said, look, five or ten years from now, people are going to be willing to pay a pretty penny for what our great great grandparents were mm-hmm. getting off of a grocery store shelf at a regular price. Right. You mm-hmm. know, and you already see it. Places like Whole Foods and Erewhon and Trader Joe's and Sprouts, mm-hmm. you know, coming about. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a, a chicken at Costco, five bucks. Yeah, I love buying a $5 chicken. <laughs> and then think about the life that chicken had and the amount of product that were put into That's it. That's true. You know, so that you could, aff- you could get a $5 chicken. Because if Bel Campo is selling me a $24 pasture raised chicken, I don't feel like they're trying to take advantage. I, I feel like they're just trying to pay their bills. It's probably more to the what a price of a chicken really should be. Yeah, I mean, twenty-four dollars is a lot, but I mean, if you eat only half of it in the course of ten days, that is actually not too bad. Yeah. So yeah, it's smart that you're already thinking about these things now before I way am. before you have children. I am. I mean, I think that's kind of like a good thing, but also a curse at the same time because I like planning ahead and think about the future and and trying to live a life like okay uh, this is like the life that i want to live like how is it going to impact you know my children like i want my children to be these kind of citizens of society and i have to lead by example and do i want my kids to be putting that crap you know in their mouth when like i'm not doing it you know so i'm trying to live like a lifestyle so like my kids can can live a good life and every decision you know that i make from this point on will affect my kids you know when i decide to have them so it's very important for me to have the knowledge and have the information and, and, and live my truth so, you know, my kids have a really, you know, good chance of living a pretty good life. Yeah. 
think yeah. about you know and I think yeah uh, more people should be thinking about the world that we're leaving behind yeah. you know I mean I don't have kids if I'm in my 40s I may never have kids if that happens great if not I'm still not trying to burn this planet down just because I'm not leaving kids behind right. like what about all my friends kids what about all my family yeah. members kids like why are people like oh well you know I'm not having kids so what do I care about the future am I don't you just want to know that you were part of a, the solution not the problem I don't know, but if more people saw that. that yeah, way. exactly. Well, we're running out of time. We have so many more topics. You're definitely coming back. We can make this a once in a month little Maybe, segment. yeah. Know, a <laughs> segment. Maybe, you know, if not bi monthly or, yeah, is that the right word? Um, but yeah, we've got to have you come back. We didn't get to talk about your 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 books and the laws of attraction versus action so much, but I want to get a couple of thoughts before you leave. Um, let's say that you had an opportunity to, to send a message out to the entire world, uh, something that you, that you felt you held dear that you wanted everybody else to know. What is a message that you would love to be able to reach out to all 7.5 billion people on this planet? That in order for you to be an amazing human being in society and being able to live your full potential and do good in this world, you have to take care of yourself first. You have to put yourself first. You have to fill your cup first. So be selfish. Do whatever it is that you need to do to make you happy. Because when you're happy, that reflects onto others. You're a shining light. If you're not a shining light inside you can't be any contribution to society so fill yourself up first and in order for you to do great in this world you have to be great for yourself so that would be the message that i would send to people what are some ways that you see yourself living that message on a, on a daily basis what are some ways that you try to make sure that you fill your cup first or you take care of yourself? You know, is it yoga? Is it running? Is it just meditating? Or is it just saying hi to every stranger on the street so you feel like you've, you've, you've you know, passed along a smile? Being by doing that is definitely meditating. It's definitely working out. It's definitely waking up every morning and trying to count my blessings and trying to have like this appreciation of life because... I know that even though I'm having a bad day or things are, the odds are stacked against me, I know that there's someone out there in this world who is going through a lot worse than I am. Somebody that's dying, somebody that's watching their parent die, their kid die, somebody that doesn't even have any food. So I try, I definitely try to do that by counting my blessings. And when I do that, you know, I have a better day you know I have blessings pouring onto me. I have little unexpected things that happen in my life and I'm like, yeah, you're there, you know, <laughs> like everything's going to be okay. So that's what I try to do. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, you're such a positive energy. I love that you've come on the show. We've been talking awesome. about this for months. So I know. We finally did it. This mm -hmm. is awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you were awesome. We covered so many topics, uh, mm -hmm. and I knew we would. And we could sit here for another hour. <laughs> Seriously. Too. We, could have, we could have part two of this and air it next week. But I'm like, we'll have you come back so that we have all these new thoughts. Well, now when we see each other at work, we'll be like, well, we should talk about that. Exactly. About that. We need to start taking down notes. And we come back to exactly. this, be like, remember that one time we were talking about this? Because I just Really, I knew we were going to have a good time. So I'm, I'm we glad did. So thank you so much for being oh, here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I hope you guys have all enjoyed Nancy Angel joining me here today. We talked about nutrition. We talked about positive energy. We talked about family bonding and just being there for one another. Just a lot of positive messages, a lot of positive inspiration for you guys out there. There's a whole lot of chaos going in the world every single day. And what you need to do is just sit back, understand that you can only control what's around you, what's mm -hmm. in your sphere. So be nice to that person next to you you treat your body kindly eat well think about how your actions affect other people's because 
you're you're doing things and you, there's the butterfly effect out there guys so just know that whatever you do is going to affect somebody else's life and don't you want that to be a positive effect as always we are curating curiosity through compelling conversation locate me at mediamogul.com find my find the podcast at mediamogul.com forward slash itunes you can find me on Facebook at Media Mogul, all other social media channels at Jesse Mogul. I will make sure I put uh, Nancy Angel's social media contacts in the show notes if she so wants you to follow her on Instagram or anything else. No cyber stalking. <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys. And as always, save journey and take care. One of, hold on. Let's do that again. And as always, <laughs> save journey and take care of one another. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>